In today's Roadman podcast, I'm going to interview Julie B. Yoga. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman podcast. Roadman, welcome back to another Roadman cycling podcast. I'm still basing myself out of Medellin, Colombia at the moment, so thanks for joining me for what I'm calling the Roadman Roadshow. Today is Wednesday, so as always, I have a Wednesday guest, and this is a throwback to our Roadman Summit, which you're going to have a chance at the end of the show to get an all-access pass to the Roadman Summit. But the Roadman Summit, we brought together these 30 amazing speakers to cover the idea of performance from 30 different angles. And one of the speakers on it that I had the privilege of interviewing was a friend of mine, Julie B. Yoga. Julie's blown up on Instagram. She's absolutely amazing insight into yoga and the applications of yoga for performance health weight loss longevity so it's super aligned with everything we do on the roadman podcast so i'm delighted today to bring you that interview but before i do i just give you a gentle reminder to head on over to patreon.com forward slash anthony underscore walsh Patreon is how we fund this podcast. It's how I'm able to reach out to amazing guests like Julie B. Yoga, like Yanni Brakovich, Pete Stetna, Tyler Hamilton, all the amazing guests we've had on the show. It's how we're able to do that. It's through the generosity of the listeners at Patreon. So if you're getting some value from this podcast, I'd ask you to dig, not very deep, to buy me the price of a pint of beer once a month to say, you know what, I'm really enjoying the podcast. I'm getting some great insight. I'd like to buy you a pint of beer. How you can do that, it'll take you about 10 seconds. Go to the link in the in, in the bio below. It's patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. Buy me a beer once a month and I promise you, it'll put a smile on my face. Guys, I won't push it off any further because I'm super excited for you all to hear this interview it's Julie B. Yoga. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Julie, I'm really excited to chat about yoga. And I feel like my yoga experience, it probably mirrors a lot of cyclists out there. And it's something we were chatting about just before we got started. There seems to be a huge difference. Yoga is one term, but it doesn't give the subtleties of a bad yoga experience to a good yoga experience. Do you feel yeah. the same as an instructor? Absolutely. I mean, I think if I even take it back a bit, to be honest, to my when I got into yoga, like I started yoga, God, 10, 15 years ago, probably more touching 15. Um, and I it really wasn't something I ever thought I would do. And um, it just wasn't for me. I love running. Um, I loved kind of really high intensity things. So it was one day in work, one of the girls just dragged me along to yoga. And I, like I kind of went kicking and screaming on the promise of a glass of wine afterwards because I just had no hopes for it at all. Um, but I was kind of very surprised and almost shocked by how challenging it was and how different it was to what I expected. So I suppose my first entry into it was a little bit of a shock to the system and it kind of just sparked my curiosity a little bit and just kind of challenged my thinking around it. And like I, I do have quite an addictive personality. So I ended up going to yoga then six days a week. I started with hot power yoga. So it was still quite intense, ticking that kind of intensity box. Um, 
And I suppose it was only then as I started to you know, go other places and try other classes, I started to experience exactly what you're talking about, like that there's just such a broad spectrum of classes. And over the years, like I've had so many amazing classes or been to so many amazing classes, but I've also been at those classes where I just think, oh God, like can I bolt for the door? Um, and I think that's really important to kind of realise like, Yes, there's a one-term yoga, but there is so many different styles of yoga. There's te- like even within one style, teachers will teach it very differently. It's like with anything. Like I think it's very important the teacher and the type of class you go to. So, um, I've worked as you know with like a lot of athletes over the years, and you know often the journey starts whether it's on a one-to-one basis or I work with teams as well. Um, the journey starts where they're very skeptical. You know, they expect to come in and do a little bit of light stretching and maybe a little bit of breathing and are actually really surprised by how physically and mentally challenging it is. I also think uh, our viewers watching this someone I'm sure they're at varying degrees of fitness from they spend their entire day cycling because that's what they get paid to do they pick up their paycheck and so they're super fit they're in the elite athletes in the world but on the far end of that spectrum you probably have guys who are riding the bicycle once or twice a week who are a little out of shape maybe they're coming back from injury maybe they haven't you know participated in sport for a number of years I see this with a lot of clients coming in for the first time and there's an intimidation factor, it seems, with getting into yoga. It's massively female dominated, which can be very intimidating for a lot of lads getting in. <laughs> but also there seems to be confusing. It's almost like a yoga academia snobbery around all the different types of names, vinyasa. Yeah. Yeah. How, you're how can we break yeah. down that kind of, you know, exclusionary horrible? Uh, do you know what? It's so funny because even as a yoga teacher, I feel that or I felt that when we were in the studios. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's really important. And that's why I did something like today. It's great to kind of break that down because, you know, it's it's not an elite group. Um, and I that, again, it comes back to the teacher, I think, because it's about making it really kind of accessible. But also in, it is an inclusive, you know, environment and it should always be like like any kind of sport. It should be an inclusive environment. So it's really important where you go, who you practice with. What I would say is if you ever are, when we get back to being in studios, you know, in a studio or working with someone and you feel that, like that's not the right place to be, you know, and it, it shouldn't be made to be anything other than, you know, something that's really beneficial for you physically and mentally. Um, but I've been in those studios like in New York, particularly I find New York really intimidating and a few in London as well and you know almost people have their like specific place and if you're in their place you know you get the the evils Um, and that's just not what it's all about and I think that's really important the amount of times that people have said to me as well oh no I can't do yoga like I'm totally not flexible at all and you just want to be like well that's that's the start you know and and it really is you know it's kind of cliche as it sounds anyone can do yoga and the the great thing about it is you know flexibility can always be improved on your mobility can always be improved on so whether you are out on the bike every day or whether you're you know having on the bike once a week um, and whatever kind of issues or injuries or kind of what you're covering from in your body all of that can be really helped and that, that's why I love working with athletes of any any level or you know whether you're into any other type of sport because you can always aid and improve your performance and also your recovery, no matter what level you're at. The key though is to practice it the right way, you know, so to be doing the right kind of poses, you're not going to jump into a handstand if you've got like issues going on in your back, like that's not going to be helpful. Yeah, I feel um, like that snobbery is, 
it's not unique to yoga. It seems to be also almost unique to anything where there's a body mind connection. Like you see it a lot in meditation, which obviously crosses over a lot into breathing practices for yoga. And it's mm-hmm. like this, you know, personalization of meditation where people are like, well, my way of doing meditation is really good when your way is shit. And you're like, well, it's just about really being quiet and being still. There's no best way here. It's best for you. It's a very individual thing. You know, it's so funny. I was doing an interview a couple of months ago and someone said to me, so like, how long do you meditate for every day? And I was like, I don't. But, like the shock. They were like, what, what do you mean? Like you're a yoga teacher. And I was like, I don't like to call it meditation because I feel it puts people off. You know, people like it. I mean, I think it's coming around now, but you know, at the time, there's definitely this kind of stigma around meditation or like that people feel like it has to be done a certain way. You've got to sit down, legs crossed, no breathe, like no noise. And that's just not the reality of it. Like, and, and our, our lives don't always allow for that. I think meditation and mindfulness are so interlinked. So it's, it's more important to learn to be present. That could be sitting in your car while you're waiting for the kids. That could be on your bike, you know, or those five minutes before you go on your bike or when you get off the bike, you know, it's when you're, when you're in the shower. Um, so it's really important to, to do what works for you. I know if someone said to me, okay, now go meditate for 20 minutes, sit there and don't move. Like, it's like, where's the big red button? Like you can't press, you know? So I think it's really important to understand that something like that meditation, it's very personal. Um, and you just adapt it to what works best for you in whatever situation you're in. Well, I know for me, I definitely try focus on that mindful element when I'm cycling up the side of a mountain, a mountain, obviously, if gravity working against you, climbing on the bike is notoriously difficult. But at that moment, no matter how stressed I am with work stuff, personal life stuff, I never think of anything in the past and I never think of anything in the future. I'm just there and I try and focus on that moment up the mountain to the top of the mountain. And that's my, you know, I'll try and meditate occasionally, but it's not a practice that I always nailed down i'm big on morning routines and i talk on the podcast and across the summit a lot about cold therapy light therapy well meditation is my kind of my optional extra in the morning if i have a load of time in the morning i'll try and meditate but most of the time it is that just up the side of the mountain but mm. my, i'm going somewhere with this julie don't worry i have a question at the end <laughs> so it's the connection of breath and effort, I suppose, is what I want to get to because you're cycling up the side of the mountain. And a lot of time, if we're not practicing this sort of mindfulness up the side of the mountain, our breath does get away from us. And that's a limiter for a lot of athletes when they think about climbing. They're like, I just am so out of breath. I can't get it back. How can we use yoga to solve that? waiting for that question I think actually if I'm being honest I'm going to jump back a little bit when you were even talking about that like you know when you are going up that mountain and you know you're not thinking ahead and you're not thinking you know about what's happened before I think that's that's really key and I think athletes go through that all the time and I think a lot of people don't realize that one of the key benefits of yoga is that endurance mentally not just physically and we don't talk enough about that I think and you know I'm not a massive cyclist, but I understand a little bit having worked with a lot of cyclists in the past or, you know, I I kind of align it to my marathon experience. You know, when I would be running and I'd hit that 20 mile mark, you know, you're just in that moment. And it's it's almost what like what makes you keep going is your mind. Like I remember I only did one marathon, but I'll always remember I hit I, I hit 18 miles and I thought, oh, God, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. 
And I thought, right, wherever you are, you're fine. You can keep going. And it was my mind that got me through the marathon. And my last like four or five miles were my strongest purely because it was all in my head. Like I just kind of came out of my body. Um, and I think it's the same, absolutely same when you're, you're getting up that mountain. Um, it's how we speak to ourselves. And so it's two things. Absolutely, it's breath work, but it's also that ability to really kind of control your mind and be in your mind, not letting those negative thoughts or those doubts or frustrations or even for future thoughts or past thoughts come in. It's how can I be right here and connecting into the breath is just crucial. So through yoga, as you say, we have so many different breathing techniques that you weave through. And a key thing with yoga, quite a like quite a popular practice, for example, is vinyasa yoga. And that's just linking movement to breath. So you would often have one movement to one breath. But there are so many other different practices where you know, you're trying to slow your breath down, you're trying to just expand you know the capacity of your breath because if you it's really interesting actually and especially because I have a, a newborn if you watch a baby breathing everything moves right so their belly their ribs everything moves on up and down on every breath an adult loses that like there'll be a, a little movement so what we want to do is get people back to finding that like we call it a three-part breath where you breathe into your belly your ribs and your chest and you feel everything move on every inhale and every exhale and it's really interesting how many people struggle to get that connection. So, you know, you can, you can do it with like putting your hands on your body to really find that. So we start with things like that and then you can lengthen the breath. So we, instead of taking a big gulp in and exhale out, sometimes we need that when we're frustrated. So I feel like that's what we do as cyclists, especially yeah. when we're under pressure. It's a exactly. panicked so breath. How do, you, how do you almost find like a, a really slow but steady breath? to kind of keep the flow constant so it's not about especially like when you're in kind of high endurance it's not about holding your breath at all and you'll often find people do you know athletes do it or what you know whatever level you're at when you're under that pressure we hold our breath so it's how do you keep that really slow continuous flow of breath so there's constantly breath but that will help calm you down and your body responds better your muscles respond better you know it's it's that whole adrenaline piece as well it's stopping that kind of that flight piece it brings you back to the fight piece and so i feel i've been in yoga classes and anyone that hasn't been in a yoga class it's nowhere near as easy as it sounds. I had that anticipation going in, you know, it's a couple of light stretches. Fast forward 45 minutes, I'm like turning into a puddle and I'm on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's definitely times that you want to quit. You want to stop. You want to go home early. You want to make your excuse. And I feel like that's a commonality in cycling because in a bike race, you know, you've typically told wife, husband, girlfriend, partner, whatever, you're going off bike racing for the day. And they're invariably going to ask you, how did you get on when you came home? And you want to finish the race, but there's at some point, everyone experiences it. It's miserable. It's hard. Everyone's on the limit. And when you're on the limit, human nature is stop, quit, come up with an excuse to not finish. Yoga is very similar. How do you push past that moment where you're like, this is uncomfortable and get to the really beautiful moment of I've achieved something by pushing through some friction. Yeah. And I, I think it's a very personal thing. It's kind of what we touched on earlier on. You know, it's, it's accountability to yourself. Um, and, you know, yoga is like training for the mind as much as it is for the body. And often I think 
people see yoga as a physical practice and hands up. I mean, that was me for years. And I, you know, I still do. And there's still times I get on the mat because I just want to really work my body and I want to really challenge my body. Um, but it's also about working the mind, like the muscle of the mind. Like it's so important to like recognize that that's exactly what it is. And also to work to control it in a way that benefits us. Um, and I think how do you get past that point is endurance. It's like your mental attitude and you get that through practice. You get that through kind of self-talk. Um, and that's where I think the yoga really helps because it's in those moments where you're just like, Oh God, I just want to come out of this. And you know, it's too intense. It's too much. The breathing really, really helps. So, you know, I honestly fought this for years years even when I probably became a teacher I was like no I don't really get it um, and it was only having gone through something quite traumatic myself where I relied on my breath you know movement just wasn't an option for me in my recovery and the breath really helped me to release like layers of emotion tension stress and I just carried that through to my movement practice when I was able to get back moving and I found that you know if instead of focusing on you know, is it because your back is killing you or legs are burning? Move away, like shift your focus because you can always focus on that, right? You can focus on that part that's really killing you or you can choose to focus on your breath and take it one breath at a time. So that's where it comes back to the breath again, Anthony, because it's it's very much around, um, you know, almost like diversion, right? Diverting away from the, the pain or the, the, the burn and actually tapping into something you can control and your breath will give you space so space in the body and space in the mind we've had speakers across the summit on a range of topics on mental strengths and we spoke about breathe with noel and cold therapy and it seems like a lot of people in their lives they seek comfort when they shouldn't be seeking comfort they should be seeking challenges because it's that exposure to those challenges and it's not quitting and pushing through it that just allows you to whether it's yoga whether it's cycling that quitting becomes a habit but equally pushing through out the far side until the teacher says you're finished not until you decide you're finished that equally becomes a habit yeah and it's so true and, and I think as well it's um you know we can be so hard on ourselves in one way but we can also be very easy on ourselves and there's you know like you say there's a time to challenge yourself um and the only thing I'd say is you know it's also okay to pull out of something you know to, to ease off I think there's there's a clear uh, I suppose difference between quitting and recognizing your body's at its maximum I think that's really important because you know just because you come out of the pose or you go to the you know the previous option they gave like you're dropping down a level which is the wrong term but you know you get what I'm saying and um, that doesn't mean you're quitting like I think sometimes it's it's really important and we teach this a lot through yoga to really listen to your body. So for example, if I'm working with a group of athletes, you know, it's so important that I understand what's going on in their bodies, where their injuries are, so that, you know, I can kind of see and go, that is your max. Because if you push past that, you're gonna injure yourself. So that's not gonna be beneficial. So it's, there's also, there's that really fine line between, you know, am I at my max? Like physically, am I really at my max? Or am I just looking for an excuse and I just wanna go and have a cup of coffee? I think you so, touched on injuries there, and I don't think it's an injury that cyclists have, but it's this, you know, the constant hunched over posture where yeah. we're just rounding of the back yeah. and the neck. 
is yoga a useful tool for starting to alleviate some of that pain and potentially even reducing the risk of that turning into an injury? Absolutely. And I think like when I've worked with cyclists before, it's basically the whole, like the whole spine, you know, absolutely. There'll be like a rounding. My brother's big into cycling and like, you can see it when he hasn't done anything, like he'll have such a rounded upper back, but also lower back issues. Um, and it comes, it comes into your core as well. So even though like physically you might think actually it's, it's really in my upper back, it's throughout the body and you really need to kind of look at the body as a whole. So um, when I'm working with cyclists, like we literally do a full, it's a full body work workout really um, to help loosen up in some areas, but also strengthen in some areas. So for example, that rounding in your back, a lot of people complain with lower back kind of pain or niggles. Um, I've had a number of guys who have niggles and niggles and niggles and then are like, I've, I've slipped discs. And I myself had slipped discs, so I totally understand like the feeling and I understand how it impacts you. And um, the reality is we all, I suppose, learn to adapt to different niggles in our bodies. That doesn't necessarily mean it's right. And that was my point really around that kind of, that's not quitting if you're pulling back on something that's tuning in. And it might actually mean you need to strengthen the core, and that doesn't mean just doing like 50 sit-ups. You know, it's very targeted. Like your core has so many different layers, so many different ways to target it. And it, it can be a real specific um, number of exercises. It doesn't necessarily mean doing a lot more. Sometimes it's less, but really kind of specific. So targeting your core to help really strengthen your lower back and also helping to release right across your upper back, right up into your neck as well is so, so important. But to be honest, Anthony, like it's into the legs as well. I mean, they're your powerhouse, right? And they're going to get you up that mountain. But there's also, you know, the, when your glutes get super, super tight, that links into your back. So it is absolutely all connected. Um, and I would say as well, it's not about being a pro cyclist, right? Out on that bike every day. When you do anything like that, like my dad has taken up cycling in the last kind of year or two and he's no pro cyclist, but he goes out a couple of times a week and he, he would notice it. I started to notice it in his body where I could see like muscles starting to tighten. If you don't stretch out your calves and your hamstrings, get into those glutes a bit over time, that's where, you know, it does start to give you those niggles and those twinges, which if not looked after can go, can go into quite a serious injury. Like I feel we're in such a, we're in such a sports science driven era in cycling where every single thing is monitored distance is monitored heart rate is monitored how hard i'm pushing on the pedals is monitored through pressure and then you're feeding all that back into the coach and he's building this macro picture of data of where your fitness is at where your fatigue is at but what none of that can capture is how your body feels and we're moving into this new era of you know me and you chatting although we're both in dublin on zoom so we're on the bike and then we're back in an office chair all day, both very similar constricted, constrained positions. That surely compounding effect has to prove pretty problematic. Absolutely. And I think that's where it's so hard. It's like harder than ever because I think, you know, it's like that turning up for a class is easier. You book yourself in, you're like, right, I will go to yoga rather than you, know, you come back off the bike and then you're like, sit down at the laptop and it's like, oh yeah, I'll stretch out now in a few minutes. I'll do that after. And it doesn't happen. Um, but I, so I think that's, it's really just a mental, you know, push through as well. That should be, it should be part of your cycling. You know, it's, it's like I used to work with a number of professional teams in London when I lived there and yoga was part of their training. Like it, it, it was like you, you kind of went straight from the pitch into yoga if you didn't go to yoga not only did you not play, train you didn't play like it was so so such a key part um and that's where it's just a mindset shift right so you're you're training 
is not just your bike ride. It's it's when you get off. And it's, but I think, Anthony, to be fair, like, it's hard to know what to do, right? You know, like, and that's my, my problem, definitely. Yeah. Like, my husband would say that the other time, like, oh, you know, I'm sore here, I'm sore there. Like, what do I do? Like, whereas, if you're not, if you don't know exactly what you're doing, you're kind of like, oh God, I won't bother. You know, if it's, there's, the great thing is though, there's a couple of really simple exercises, you know, that you can do that have quite a good impact in a quite a quick space of time. So it's about picking the four or five things that work for you rather than being like, right now I need to do yoga for an hour or stretch or what. It's about really understanding, you know, here are four or five things I can do that can take me 10 minutes, like 10 minutes will make a huge difference in terms of how you're going to feel the next day. So to bring this interview back full circle to where we started, we talked about in physical yoga houses uh, or yoga rooms that there's vast difference between a good yoga instructor and a poor yoga instructor. When I'm on a cycling rest day or I come in from a session and I'm like, yeah, I definitely need to do something here, but I'd be someone who would go to yoga, you know, not week in, week out, but I'll occasionally go drop in as often as I can. But in this new stay-at-home era, I come in and if the differential is big in the physical space, I feel like the differential online is even wider. There's dudes and you're looking at them going, there's no way that looks right, even in my very limited yoga experience. How do we distinguish the good from the bad? How do we figure out what you know that 10 minutes should look like for us? Of course. Like, I think unfortunately there's not like a quick like place that I can say go here they'll sort you out and but I think what I would say is do you know if something doesn't work for you don't don't feel like you have to stick with it but also don't give up on it you know as much as you can go into a physical yoga studio and try it out and be like oh not really loving that and you can absolutely do the same with online so you know if you know if you've gone to yoga classes before if you know anyone who does yoga absolutely ask them I often get messages from people reaching out to me on Instagram saying, Julie, you know, this is going on. Can you help me with whatever? Can you point me in the right direction? So whether I mightn't have a class suitable, if I do, great. But if I don't, like tap, like tap into people. I get messages all the time and I'm sure lots of other yoga instructors do. Um, because like part of what I, my job is to help people, right? So physically and mentally kind of help people. Like what I, why do I teach yoga? Why do I work in the wellness space? It's to really help people feel better about themselves. So anytime I get a message from someone asking me to point them in the right direction, I'll do my best as I think many other yoga teachers will as well. But where we have the limitations at the moment of maybe not being able to go physically into a yoga studio, we also have a huge opportunity of being able to tap into yoga all around the world right so there's you know there's plenty of amazing teachers globally that offer stuff and um, which is a whole other area right that we could dive into but rather than feeling restricted try it out you know there isn't at the moment so actually maybe we could make this a yoga for cyclists platform you know where we have our stretches and you can just tap in and there's your 10 minutes depending on how you're feeling it's my back today it's my legs today you know and until we create that space what I would say is don't be afraid to, to reach out to people, but also don't be afraid to, to try different things. Yeah, I think it needs to happen, Julie. You need to make that program because <laughs> definitely for me, and I know people watching, it's going to be, you know, you have that snobbery around the different types of yoga and you have that exclusionary type. And now you're searching in a vastly bigger marketplace online. Like I've gone online search yoga for cyclists and you've just no trust in the credibility of it. And ultimately, 
it's like anything, the heart muscle isn't really a toy and you can mm. do damage. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, being really serious now, as as a teacher, one of my key things, like, I've done a lot of training around anatomy. I was very lucky to kind of have quite advanced training outside of my yoga teaching with, like, S&C coaches, um, performance, endurance, so, like, really getting into the layers and understanding the body. So when I'm physically in a room seeing people, like, you can see what's going on in their bodies. Um, when it's online, you can't so like that's why I love I work a lot one-to-one with people because you can still get that precision and um, but as you say you like we, you have to be so careful out there with anything with movement at the moment so what I would say is go with your gut until I create this platform if something doesn't feel right in your body you know if, like don't don't push through it especially just one key point like whether you never ever do yoga if you're doing any movement and it, it goes into your knees stop because if you damage your knees, like it's so, so hard, like things like, you know, your back and stuff like we, you know, I would, I would, I would also say pull back, but people do kind of persevere, but your knees are something that when damage is done there, it'll have a huge impact for a long time. And just to finish up on this one, Julie, is there a way you'd recommend people integrate yoga into their daily practice? Is it best on first thing in the morning, post-ride, pre-ride, or does it matter? Um, I think it's very personal. It's like I'm a morning person, right? I get up in the morning, I've loads of energy. When I'm doing yoga, I prefer to do it in the morning. My husband, for example, not a hope. Like he needs to be up for a few hours and then would do some. So I think it's really important to build it into what you know about yourself and when you kind of operate best. And people love it in the evening. I'm too tired. So first of all, go with what works best for you. Like when's the right time for you? And also what works in your day? Like different days, you're going to feel different, right? If you went out for a big cycle yesterday, you're going to feel very different today than you will tomorrow or the day before you went for a cycle. So what I would say is look at your day and see when it works. And the other thing I would do is pop it in your calendar. Like hold yourself accountable. As much as I said, we were talking earlier on about like, it's really important to challenge yourself and it's really important to be aware that like of when to pull back. But it's so, so important to hold yourself accountable. So just because you can't go out and go into a yoga studio, you can absolutely pop it in your diary and that does not move. Like that is your, it's, you know, what else in your week would you not move? Your meeting with your boss or whatever. This is your time and it's so important that you you don't move that. So whether you're doing it at seven o'clock in the morning, two o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, doesn't matter have it in your diary and that's your time and and get up and do it. I think that's a great tip. And I've started doing that blocking off bits of my Google calendar where I'd say that's like me time. It might be just reading or it might be just, you know, a morning routine or trying to be mindful or it could be just literally nothing. Like I've nothing planned there, but it's me time. And someone will say, you know, well, can we chat at 12, 15? I look at the calendar and go, oh, got a meeting that I can't move right there. Exactly. And it's, you know, because it's yourself and it's your time, you like, I'm hands up so guilty of that being like, yeah, sure. Like I'll, you know, I'll have my shower later or whatever it is I've planned. Um, honestly, with the newborn, it's things like that. But it is so important to protect that time. And, you know, that's where like, honestly, mindfulness is, and meditation, whatever you want to call it at the moment, is really, really important because that really helps us to tune into ourselves, to listen into ourselves and to prioritize ourselves like I do like a weekly class now where on a Sunday evening I call it the pause and we do just mindfulness for 20 minutes meditating you call it what you like and it's I always kind of set it up so that people feel like it's their kind of reset button their recharge so that they go into their week knowing that 
they have to take time for themselves to continue that as they go through the week. And honestly, like you'll feel so much better for it when you start kind of putting yourself up there as a priority on your to-do list so that your mental health and your physical health combine. And then it's things like when you're on your bike, like you will feel better. You will perform better, whether you're in a race or whether you're just heading out for your cycle on your own. Julie, I could chat for the next couple of hours, but I know you're a super busy girl. If people want to continue following the journey or is it possible for them to join your weekly reset class, what's the best way to do both of those? Absolutely. So I suppose Instagram's probably the easiest. I'm Julie B. Yoga on Instagram. Julie B. Yoga. And I'll link it all up down below. Julie, it was a fascinating chat. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Before you go anywhere, our first ever Roadman Summit, it aired back in December. I brought together 30 experts and they shared with me their secrets on how to biohack your physiology, how to melt away body fat and smash your cycling goals, whatever that was. Since airing that back in December, I've just been inundated my Instagram DMs, Twitter direct messages with requests to get access to this material. I had it locked up in the vault but I've decided to open access to this material for you, the podcast listeners of the Roadman Podcast. So to get access to this, it's a one-time payment of €47 Euro and you're going to have all the interviews, all those secrets forever. You're going to have the videos and the MP3s. In there, I've got interviews with world tour mechanics, nutritionists, sports psychologists, bike fit experts, and some of the legends of the sport like Tyler Hamilton and Pete Stetna. Over 30 hours of content in this members area that I've created for you guys. So if you want to get access to that, the way to do it is to head on over to this URL, www.roadmansummit.com forward slash 2021. I'll give you that again. It's www.roadmansummit.com forward slash 2021. That's numerical. The link to that is in the bio. Get it. Check it out, learn it, take it in, because this is sure to set you on the right path for 2021.